Can I just say I'm thankful for all of you, and I'm thankful for what God is doing in our church. And if you're new, we are kind of closing the end of the year with a, a series, a collection that we're calling This Is Us. We're, we're talking about the church. We're talking about what does it mean to be the church, not just go to church, but what does it look like, this unique expression of the church that we call X Church, and what does it mean to be part of this church? And so I'm trying to share over several weeks really what I feel is the heartbeat and the passion and kind of what really makes us as a church, what moves us. And, and so if you were here last week when we kicked it off, I kind of just asked this real simple question that maybe we never give thought to, and that is this, why does the church exist? Have you ever wondered that? I'm saying, why is it that there is a church rather than there's no church? Why does the church exist? I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about all churches. And the easy answer for that is because the founder of the church decided that he wanted a church. By the way, does anybody here know who the founder of the church is? Jesus, thank you. All right, it wasn't a trick question. You all could have got that if you wanted to, but Jesus was the one who founded the church. You do realize that our church here in Canal Winchester, I'm not like the founder of this. I mean, I may have started this particular ex- expression of the church, but we are connected to the same church that you read about in the book of Acts all the way back 2,000 years ago. We're the same church. And so our founder, Jesus, gathered some of his followers with him. He said, I'm not gonna be able to stay here anymore, so I want you to live the way I lived. I want you to love the way I loved. I want you to serve the way I serve. I want you to, here was the simple message, to represent me. Remember we learned that last week? Be my witness, represent me. Everywhere you go, represent me. By the way, that's not just in church when we come and we put on this really good and I'm gonna be all good. No, represent Jesus outside the walls of this church. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you're at the gym, when you're at the grocery store, we are to live on mission and represent Jesus. Now, if you were here last week, I talked about What is it that we should represent? What is Jesus passionate about? I think if we're gonna mimic our lives after him, we should know what mattered to him. And the reality is Jesus showed up and he stepped out of heaven, came to the world that we have so that we would all be able to find our way back to the Father. Jesus said, I came because people are lost and I wanna help them find their way. I want to show them the path. And from that, we've developed our mission statement. Here's what I wanna do. I want us all to say our mission statement again. I'm gonna put it up in a moment. I was gonna ask, does anybody here know? And Maybe we could just try it without putting it up, but that would probably be sad. So we're not gonna do that. But here's my challenge to you. Before we're done with this series, I would love it, if you're a part of this church, I would love it if you were to have this really short statement memorized. It's not hard. This real short statement. This is the center of everything that we do as a community, okay? And so we're gonna put it up and we're gonna all say it together. Here at X Church, okay, they're gonna stick it up. Simple. Our mission is what? Say it out loud with me, is helping people get on the path to God. Let's try it again. It's helping people. Okay, now about one more time, because I I, I have a feeling you're gonna get this. Maybe if you need to write it down, write it down. If you need to take a picture of the screen, take a picture. I just I would love for you to get it. If you're gonna say I'm part of this community, you should know what matters. Okay? Here at X Church, our mission is helping people get on the path to God. And we discovered that that path is Jesus. 
that he is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6, and that we want to help people. Now, here's the thing about this good news of Jesus, okay? I want you to understand this. It is both, both selfish and selfless. This truth that I'm talking about, okay, the good news of Jesus is both selfish and selfless. There's a selfish and a selfless aspect to this truth. What do I mean by that? Here's what I want you to know. It's for you. Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus stepped out of heaven, came and took your place on the cross. He offers you forgiveness, and he offers me forgiveness, and I'm so grateful for that. And many of you maybe came to the church because you were looking and searching and wondering, and someone invited you. And then you met Jesus, and everything changed, right? It's selfish. It's for me. I need it. But there's a selfless aspect to this, and here's what I need you all to know. The moment, the moment you say yes to Jesus, that first simple, small, I only have a little bit of faith and I don't really know what it all, I don't have answers to all my questions and all that. The moment you say yes and you get onto that path and you take your first step on this journey that will take you a lifetime to discover who God is, everything changes. You become a new person, the Bible says. You're a new creation. You have a new purpose. You have a new identity. You have a new family. All of a sudden, now you have a new purpose. And listen, all you, I want you to get this. It's at that moment, you don't just go to the church because you are the church. Please get this. I don't go to church. I think in our minds in America, we think a church is that building on the corner where I can go and I can hear some good music, an entertaining message. They'll have something for my kids to help them answer their questions, and that's what the church is. No, that's not what the church is. The church is not a building. We discovered that during COVID. The church is a community of people who say yes to Jesus, and they join into a movement. The church is not a structure, it's a movement. It's a movement that we're a part of that started 2,000 years ago. That's why it's a movement. It's a movement. It's a movement with a mission. It's a movement with a mission. Today, I wanna talk about what fuels the movement. I wanna talk about the fuel that ignites the movement of the church. Back in the 1960s, our president at the time uh, he posted a tweet that shocked everybody. Now, if you're wondering if Twitter was around, it wasn't around. But that kind of felt like that, okay? John F. Kennedy, he said something kind of rash, kind of quick, that took a bunch of people by surprise. Here's what he said. He said, before the decade is out, we're going to put a man on the moon and bring him back. Now, at this time, never had anybody even been in outer space, okay? This was a massive undertaking, and so NASA went to work trying to get a man on the moon and bring him back. And what they developed, okay, what NASA was working on was a specific rocket called the Saturn V. The Saturn V is a rocket, that, in fact there were several of these that they made, that, that took Apollo 11, Apollo 13, all these missions you've ever heard about, right? Okay, this was Saturn V. Now what's interesting, I found this out, is that this particular rocket that they created is the only rocket, even to this day, that has ever broken past low Earth orbit and returned. We've sent stuff out, but it's not come back. It's the only rocket that had the capacity 
for a mission like going to the moon and coming back. And you know how much fuel it took to put a man on the moon and bring him back? Okay, it was a lot. Thank you, it was a great answer. It took nearly one million gallons of fuel and propellant. And oh, by the way, that's not like that 87 octane stuff you got just put in your car down at Sunoco. No, this is like high, like this is ridiculous propellant. A million gallons. Why? Because if, if there's gonna be a significant mission, it's gonna need significant fuel. And if the church has an even bigger mission than just putting a man on the moon. If our mission's bigger than that, we wanna introduce everybody on this planet to the one who created the moon. If the, if the church has a massive mission, it's gonna need a lot of fuel. And so I wanna talk today about what I believe is the fuel that propels the mission of the church. You know what I think it is? I actually think it's generosity. That generosity is the fuel that propels the church. You're thinking, wait, 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 isn't it love? I'm gonna show you this. It's generosity. It's generosity is the fuel. In fact, the reason why the world today, almost every place you go, has even heard the name of Jesus is because of the generosity of that first early church. You realize that? You realize that? The reason why orphanages exist in our world today is because of the generosity of people who follow Jesus. The reason why hospitals exist in our world today is because of the generosity of the church. The reason why impoverished people all over the globe receive food and clothing and education and medicine is because of the generosity of the church. The reason why relief organizations like Red Cross and Salvation Army are able to distribute mass support to people around the world in times of trouble is because of the generosity of the church. No other organization makes an impact on this world like the church. No government, no kingdom, no empire, nothing. Nothing compares to the movement of the church and I'm telling you the fuel is generosity. Do you know why the church has been a beacon of generosity for 2,000 years? I'll tell you why. Because the church reflects the very nature of God. You do realize God's generous, right? I'm grateful for God's generosity. If you have nothing else to be thankful for around Thanksgiving, be thankful for his generosity. The story of Jesus, by the way, is a story about generosity. The Christmas story that we love is about God's generosity. It's about how much God loved us so much. In fact, I, I wanted to just... I wasn't sure I was gonna share this. There's a verse that I would, I would argue and say is probably undoubtedly the most popular verse in the entire Bible. Does anybody know what it is? If you know the reference, shout it out loud. John 3, 16. I almost never reference this verse. I almost never share it. Let me tell you why. It's the most popular verse. Why wouldn't you ever? Because it's so popular. I think we've heard it so much. It's almost like, you know, you go to a, a football game and you stand up and you do the Pledge of Allegiance, or, you know, you do the flag and the, the, the Star-Spangled Banner. You don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. You do the Star-Spangled Banner. And, and you, they get the words and you can sing the words but not actually think about anything. It's because you've heard it so much that your brain has created a neural pathway for it. And so you don't even, it's like when you drive home and you don't remember driving home. I think when we hear John three sixteen. sometimes we can, I mean, you can probably quote it. Right? We put it up. I know it. For God, so what? See, you don't even need the verse up, you knew it. For God so loved the world, he, 
He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, we've heard it so many times. We're like, oh, John 3, 16. Everybody knows John 3, 16. But we can miss the essence of maybe the most powerful verse in the entire Bible, which is that God loved you and me so much that he did what? He gave. This idea that I want you to see is that love and generosity are connected. That when you see love and you see it always, it will be expressed through generosity. It shows us there's a a direct connection. Can, Can I tell you this? Love is a big deal to God. You realize that, right? God loves you so much that he gave you the freedom to not love him. The reason why you and I have freedom of choice is because of love. It's because God loved us and he was like, you know what, I want for them to love me, but I don't wanna force it. And so I'll give them the freedom to choose. Love is a big deal to God, I hope you understand that. It's so big that one time Jesus was approached. He was approached by these religious leaders and, and they're all about rules and I think it's sad that some people think God is all about rules. Some people, it's sad to me that, that maybe some of you just stayed away from church for so long because you think, well, God's just, maybe that's all you ever heard, just a bunch of rules. That's not God. In fact, Jesus was approached one time and they asked him, they said, um, there's so many commands out there and it just seems impossible. What matters the most to God? What, what's the most important thing that we could ever do? Now, some of you probably have heard this before, it's greatest commandments. I know some of these are just simple verses and I'm kind of using a, a bunch of different verses. I usually like to sit in one place, but it's because I wanna build a structure inside of you today. In Matthew 22, here is Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? With just like, a, like 50%, no? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. He said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the most important thing you could do to God. And then it says this, and the second is like it, love your what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's, when Jesus was asked what matters most to God, he said love. What matters most to God is not what you could do for him, but that you would love him. That you love God, and here's, I mean, this is his whole desire is that we would love him back. Love God with everything that you have in you. So can I ask you a question? Just a real simple question. How do you do that? I, just, I want to ask that, like just real simple question. How do you love God? I mean, I guess there's a variety of ways that we could love God. You, can, you could say it, but I wonder how many of us do. I'm, I'm bad sometimes about even just simply saying, I love you, God. You wake up and the first thing you say, God, I love you. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Now, I'm sometimes bad saying it to people. You ever bad saying it to people you love? It's like, it's not that I don't love them, I just sometimes don't say it. So maybe it is valuable to say, I love you, right? Uh, You could say it. That's why sometimes we'll challenge you in a moment, like this will encourage you. Hey, come on, just tell God you love him. Because sometimes we don't do that. And maybe he wants to hear it, like a dad who wants daughter to say it, or spouse to say it, or wife that wants to hear it from her husband. Sometimes it's valuable to say it. You can say it. You can also sing it. You can sing it. That's why, by the way, if you're wondering, maybe you never really went to church and someone invited you and like, I don't understand. Why do you guys do this music thing first? It's because it's our way of trying to express our love to God. 
We're trying to say, God, we love you in all the different ways that we can. And so in music and song is a great way to say, God, I love you. And so we'll sing it. And it's great. It's great that we do all those things. We could say it. We could sing it. But I think that there's even a deeper level, which is we can show it, right? We could say it. We could sing it. But what if we could show it? What if there was a way to put weight to our words? I think there is. I think there's a way to put weight to our words. Have you ever, you ever heard the um, phrase, you ever said to somebody, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? You ever said that to anybody? Usually you're doing that because you're bragging about being able to whoop somebody on a basketball court or maybe playing golf, and you're like, and they're, and they're talking smack, and you're like, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? And then you're like, well, I've got this injury I've been dealing with for a long time, and I would, but, you know, I just, maybe when it gets a little bit better, why don't you put your, you, you know, it, um, sometimes talk is cheap. It doesn't cost us a lot. Um, I, I think even in our own personal relationships, it's great to say I love you, but uh, so my wife and I, we've been married for over 26 years. Do you know how many times we've said I love you? Do you remember back when you were dating or when you first got married and how you could not get off the phone until everybody said I love you? Do you remember those days? You remember that? Like, it's like you don't hang up. Okay, love you. Love you too. Okay, now we can hang up, right? And, and so what do we do? We trained ourselves for so long that every time we're on the phone, love you, love you. When we leave the house, love you, honey, love you, we say it. And we've developed, again, these neural pathways where we say it, but it doesn't really register in our heart. It's just something that we say. I think the same thing can happen with God. And so how do we kind of put some, how do you put something behind it? Can I just tell you, my wife, she loves it. I think you could ask her if I say I love you. But do you know what she really loves too? If I just Starbucks, she loves her Starbucks. She does love that. You, you know what? She, she loves it when I bring her flowers. Anybody, any ladies like that too? You love it when you get Any guys like Okay, never mind. I'm not going to ask that. I don't bring. And I'm not talking about for a birthday or for anniversary, but every once in a while, I just get in my, like, I should get her flowers. And do you know what it does to somebody when, you just, an act of kindness and generosity that's not expected, it, it adds weight to your words, right? Put your money where your mouth is. Jesus wanted to show us that there's something about our money and our love. There's a connection. There's a connection. Love God. What's the greatest thing you do? We love God and love others. And In fact, one time Jesus drew a real distinct connection between our love and our money. In Matthew chapter six and verse 21, here's what Jesus said. You've probably heard this verse. He said, for where your treasure is, there your what will be also. What's he saying? There's a, there's a connection. It's, it's not, with, with him, it's not put your money where your mouth is. It's where you put your money is where your heart is. This is, this is the way God really sees it. It's, not, it's wherever we put our treasure what do we treasure the most in our culture today? Time and money. Hands down, in America, time and money. Wherever you put your treasure, he said, that's where your heart really lies. Your affections are seen by where you put your time and your money, your treasure. And then he goes on to say this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve both God and what? Say it out loud. You can't serve both God and money. Now, I've heard this over and over again. And 
I think even in the church, sometimes we will develop a bad theology about money if we don't understand this well. What, what do I mean by that? I, I just mean that when we hear that you gotta choose, love God or love money, what we instantly think is that God, good. Money, bad. Right? It's like love God or love the devil. It's an angel on one shoulder or a little red devil on the other one. It's God over here, it's money over here. And we can get this messed up philosophy about money that we think that somehow money is bad or money is evil or it's wrong to have money. That couldn't be further from the truth. Money, there's, it's neither good nor bad. It has to do with the heart of the person who has it. And, and so I, I just want you to understand that. I, I hope that... You have plenty of money. I hope that God blesses you. I hope you have wealth. By the way, Scripture says that wealth comes from the hand of God. Money is not good or bad. The problem comes, and this is what Jesus understands, the problem comes is that when money becomes more important to us than God, that when we love our money so much that we don't actually demonstrate our love toward God through generosity, this is, he's trying to show us a connection and, in fact, I, I really believe this truth when it comes to money and it comes to God. And that is this, that our relationship with money reflects our relationship with God. The way you see money is an indication of the way you see God. How you handle your finances is an indication of what you believe about God. I believe that. Because if you're greedy and if you hoard it, and if you store it, and if you keep a tight rein on it because you're afraid that you won't have enough, you're afraid I'm never gonna have enough, I can't release it, I can't give it, I can't be generous, I can't help and give toward the charity, I can't, if you have this mindset that I can't, I will never have enough, you will always believe that God is not your sustainer or your provider. You will think that you are your sustainer or your provider. You will, if, you have this, if you have this inward, I gotta keep it in tight, you don't see God as a generous, loving father who wants to bless you. Your relationship with money is a reflection of how you see God. But if you see God as being incredibly generous and someone who loves me so much that he's gonna take care of my needs and he wants to bless me as a father wants to bless his kids, all of a sudden now you can be open-handed. Now all of a sudden you can be generous with others because I know that God is my source, he is my provider, and because I trust him, I can release it when I get called to release it. You see, you're... Your relationship with money is actually a direct indication on how you see God. It's about relationship. I bet you'd never see it this way. But generosity is really about relationship in God's eyes. That's what he cares about the most. The book of Malachi in the Old Testament is a book that God speaks over and over and every chapter builds where through a prophet, the nation of Israel had actually disconnected from God. So each chapter in a different way, God speaks to the nation of Israel that God wants to restore his relationship with them so badly. Again, God loves, for God loved the world. He, 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 he wanted to restore this relationship. And one of the problems was that they had fallen more in love with their money than they did God. And I want, I want you to hear this in Malachi chapter three, 
verse 7, part B. I want you to listen to the language. I want to read a few verses. Here's what God said. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. What do you mean return to me? There was a disconnect between them and God. He said, but you ask, how are we to return? And then look at God's answer in verse 8. This is kind of strange, a big sharp turn to the right. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Look at verse 10. This is one we've heard probably before if you've been in church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Okay, I like this part. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, most of the time when we hear about this part, when God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you so much you will not have the capacity to hold on to it. I want to open the floodgates. And most of us would be like, okay, I'll take it. Open them up, God. I am waiting. My bank account is waiting. I'm, God bless. I, I mean, we love that part, but most of us focus on the end of that, but we forget about the beginning of what I read. What was it really about? Money is, God don't care about money. He could produce wealth. He could take wealth. He could, it was about relationship. Return to me and I'll return to you. God cares more about your heart, your relationship, and he knows it's tied to our treasure. That's why Jesus said that. And I, I don't know how we view money, but I, I think for many of us, and I think myself sometimes, is that we, we view money as a means to an end, right? I go to work, I get paid so I can pay the bills, I wanna pay the mortgage, I wanna buy food, I wanna buy some clothes, I wanna be able to drive my car and insurance and maybe go on vacation. For us, money is a means to an end, right? I, it's not good, it's not bad, I just, I need it so that I can buy this and I can survive. It's a, money is a means to an end. For God, it's a means to our heart. For us, it's a means to an end. God, it's a means to our heart. God sees money as a, a way to connect to our hearts. What matters the most, remember, generosity is the expression of love. This is why God speaks to him and he says, you don't realize it, but by withholding from me what is rightfully mine, the tithes, the offering. Do you know what a tithe is? A tithe is literally the word means 10%. The, throughout scripture, there was a, a level that God called his people to return to me a tithe, 10%. I know, it seems like a lot. 10% of all that I blessed you with and oh, by the way, at times offerings. At times offerings. And when you do that, he says, watch what I will do in return. I will bless you. But God is waiting to see if we trust him because our relationship with money is a reflection of our relationship with God. It's really about love for him. And so when Jesus was asked what matters most to God, he said, it's that you love God with all of yourself. All of you. Love God. And then he said, love others as you love yourself. Now, if I could just be real, candid with you. I feel like I am pretty good at loving God. Me personally. Um, I've been on a journey, a relationship with him for a long time. And I feel like I'm pretty good at it. I'll say it. 
I try to say it daily to them. I'll sing it. Not just even at church. I like to play worship music and our, our album and other day. I love to sing along. I like to express it. I'll raise my hands. I think I'm pretty good at loving God. Why? Because he's loved me. I'll give a tithe. Since I've been an adult, I, I was shown this connection between love and, and, and the money. And, and so I've always given a tithe. Our family, we give the first 10% of all that God's. And you know what? He has blessed us over and over. And we've had opportunities like end of the year to give offerings above and beyond and building campaigns and give them. And I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty good at loving God. And yet at the same time, can I just say this, admit this? I struggle with being generous. I do. I, I, and some of you might go, well, the fact that you give a tithe, that seems really generous. I, I understand that. But I'm trying, I'm trying to be real. I struggle with being generous. In other words, um, I will give and I will do it because I see an opportunity and I feel God speak to me and I'll respond to his love and I will do it. But if I could just tell you, there is something inside of me that would rather hold it back for myself. I'm just saying me. I've met some, some of you are incredibly generous. I, I just want to admit, I, I, I'm not even trying to make this up or inflate it. I've met, if you ever met someone that's so generous, they see you, you're having a trouble, you're having need, you're having whatever. I mean, they were like, hey, you need a jacket? I'll give you my jacket. They'll, like, they'll, they'll, they will do whatever it takes. They will, I mean, you need anything, boom, they're there. That's awesome. I love people like that. I'm just not one of them. I'm not. I'm not that generous. Um, several weeks ago, let's give you an example. Several weeks ago, uh, during the Circleville Pumpkin Show, went to the Pumpkin Show. Anybody go to the Pumpkin Show? Okay, well, we're in Ohio. It's weird, I know. Uh, we get excited about pumpkins. And uh, so I was going to the Pumpkin Show. It wasn't even the first night. It was the second night I went, okay? And so my wife and I were in the car, and we were driving, and we were getting ready to, you know, go enjoy all of the wonderful pumpkin festivities. And we pulled off a freeway, at an exit, and we pulled off there, um, we came to a red light, and there was a guy standing along the side, you ever see this guy standing along the side of the road who had a sign that said, I need help, anything will help, right? And uh, don't you hate it when you pull off the freeway and there's someone standing there and the light's red and you're just stuck? <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there, and uh, he's walking this way, and you just know the rule, just don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Just look away. Maybe they won't even notice. You're there, right? And uh, we're sitting, and it's quiet in the car for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds goes by. And it's quiet. I'm like, come on, light, turn green, dear Lord. And my wife, she speaks up. She says to me, well, aren't you going to give him something? And my response to her was, I said, well, look how he's dressed. That's what I said to her. I was like, his jeans don't look that bad. I said, he's got some cool-looking tennis shoes. He's wearing a leather jacket. I mean, it's cool, Al, but, you know, I mean, the jacket looked nice. I'm like, look at that. I, was like, I don't know that he needs help. She said, how do you know he didn't get that at Goodwill? I'm like, well, I don't know. I just... The problem was, in my head, was I was thinking about I need to be able to buy pumpkin donuts, and I got to be able to pumpkin muffin, and I need to be able to get pumpkin chili, and I, need to, and I only got so much cash, and I just needed this. And so as I'm wrestling with this, and the guy's walking closer, and I'm trying not to make eye contact and all that, guess what happened? 
the light turned green. Thank you, Jesus saved me. And we took off. Because I, I was going to give them something, but then, like, there was a bunch of cars behind us. So I don't want to cause a traffic jam. You know, I don't want to be that guy. And so we took off, and, and, and we're driving away. That's when my, my wife, she said something to me, bothered me. She said this. She said, does it ever concern you when you don't stop and help somebody that you have X church as your license plate? So that license plate will be available at the end of this year. I am getting rid of it. I can't drive the way I want to drive. I feel guilty when I don't help people. It's terrible. Don't ever do that. I, I'm just not that generous of a person. I'm not making the stuff. I'm not trying to like, oh, you're really, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't have a generous spirit. I don't. We went to the pumpkin show and I forgot all about it. We enjoyed all the pumpkin stuff and it was great. Next day, I'm driving to work. I pull off that same intersection. Guess who's there? Same guy. Different outfit, same guy. Same sign. I pulled up there, and it just so happened to be a red light. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit that sounded a whole lot like Laura Lee. <laughs> Ain't you going to give him something? You better bet I rolled the window down, and I gave him some cash that day. I was not going to do that again. What, I, I'm saying this because I, I think we all, let's be honest, we all probably to an extent wrestle with being generous. I love God. But here's a question. Do I love people that I don't know? Well, I love my neighbor that I don't know like I would love myself. Oh, that was so hard. And I, I wonder if sometimes we need holidays like we have right now. You know the holiday season? We have Thanksgiving. I need Thanksgiving to remind me that I need to be thankful. How about you? I know it seems corny and we're like, oh, it's just, just holiday where it's one time a year. Well, you should be thankful every day. I know I should be, but I suck at it. And I often think more about what I don't have than what I do have. And oftentimes I don't give God thanks for what I do have. And so maybe I need a day like Thanksgiving or a week to remind me. I need to be more grateful for what I do have and what God has given me. And maybe we need Christmas season like this so that it will challenge us to actually be generous, even if it's hard for us. And I know some Christians I meet every once in a while that are so cynical about Christmas. I know self-righteous Christians are like, you know, Christmas is just so commercial. And all it is about shopping and buying stuff. I understand that maybe it is for some. But is it really that bad that one time out of the year that we express how much we love our friends and family by giving them something rather than just saying it once a year in words? Is it really that bad to give gifts to other people? Probably not. Maybe we need seasons like this to push us. I need it to push me out of my closed up shell to say, hey, Tim, why don't you be generous because I'm generous. See, the way I think about Christmas is, and sometimes I think we, we give. And sometimes we give to God. We give expecting to get, though. It's an exchange, gift exchange. You do gift exchange at Christmas? Gift exchange? You know what we do every Christmas? We mentally track how much they spend on us. Hello? 
Y'all? Some of you don't. You're so generous. I'm telling you about us people that aren't so generous. Oh, you spent that much? And we spent this much? Okay, I'll remember that for next year. I just re- Hey, we're going to reduce them by 20%. We just, we went a little too generous. Oh, they didn't send us something good. We can cross them off the list. Love you. Can, can I tell you something? I think, I think the greatest form of love there is is when we give without expecting to get anything in return. Come on, isn't that the greatest form of love? Isn't that the kind of love that God has toward us? That he would send Jesus to die for us and even if you choose that you don't want anything to do with him, he still died for you? That he's still willing to give up his life for you and me? That's love at the deepest level. You see, love and generosity are connected. In fact, I would say it this way. Generosity is love made visible. What if we saw it that way? These are not two different things. Generosity is love made visible. It's I'm not saying it, I'm showing it. I love you so much, God, I'm gonna express it by giving to you. And I'm gonna love my neighbor, so I'm gonna give to help them. And we're gonna have an opportunity as a church in a few weeks. On December 11th, we're gonna be taking up our end of the year offering. And, and, I, and I always wrestled with like, man, I've had people say, isn't this such a challenging time of year when we're buying all these gifts for everybody? And it's expensive. I'm like, yeah, it is. But I wonder if we need a season like this to remind us of not only being generous toward those who will give us gifts in exchange, but giving also to the God who gave everything to us. I wonder if maybe a way that you can make Christmas about Jesus is to give to his passion and give to his heart, which is what he's doing in the world through local church, through followers of Jesus who are giving their lives to it. And and so on December 11th, it's gonna be an incredible, incredible experience where we're gonna have an opportunity to give a free will offering. This is not our tithe. This is, this is that, that I schedule. I, I wanna be consistent with God. He's faithful to me. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna schedule it. This is a, an opportunity to give above and beyond that. Now, for some of you, maybe that have never really joined into the journey of giving, Maybe some of you go, I love God, but you don't give a thing to him through his work in the church. Maybe this season, if anything, will be, inspire you to start doing that. I'm, I'm gonna start giving something. I'm gonna start giving consistently. That'd be incredible. But I want you to know the reason why we continue to do church and have church and continue to see lives changed here in Canal Winchester and around is because of the hundreds of you that give faithfully and consistently every single week to this church. And so I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for doing that. But this offering, this is, this is that one time a year when we're just inviting people to say, hey, let's, let's go above and beyond so we continue to do ministry in a greater way. Now, I wanna, I wanna talk about what we're gonna do with it. What do we do at the end of the year offering? Number one, first thing that we do is we use it to really help set ourselves up to do ministry well, to finish strong, and to set ourselves up for the end of the year. Here's what I know. There are a lot of us, and I used to be one of these, that I wouldn't be consistent in giving, and then the end of the year be like, oh, yeah, I, I wanna do this, I wanna make up. And so it gives us an opportunity to do that. By the way, let me just tell you, when we built this and opened it in COVID, we took a massive leap of faith to do this. And it was because of our end of year offering last year that we almost about broke even. I mean, it was that significant. And God did such incredible things. I mean, we took a massive step of faith to build this in a, what could be the worst time ever not knowing to build something, and God still met our need, and he did it through you all. He did it through our church. 
And so I want to say thank you for that. But it also positioned us to continue doing ministry all this last year without any slowdown. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to do more. But we're also going to do something unique and specific. Every end of the year offering, here's what I like to do. I like to choose some of the organizations and ministries that we serve on a regular basis. And we want to go above and beyond generous with them. And so I want to share with you, in time we have left, I want to share with you six different giving initiatives that we are already committing to before we even know what the end of the year offering is. We're already committing because I just trust God that he's going to do something in our hearts, okay? So the first one is Canal Winchester Human Services. They have a food pantry that feeds hundreds of families right here in our backyard. And by the end of the year, you know what we find out, they tell us, is that they've been so depleted that they get into the holiday season and they don't have food to be able to support all the families, okay? And so we said, you know what? We're gonna step up and we're gonna help begin to fill it. And so we're going to put together, and we're, I don't know if we're doing this on Hope Day, but we're gonna help provide meals for over 250 families right here in Canal Winchester this holiday season through the Canal Winchester Human Services. So this is, I'm telling you stuff we're already committing to because we take a percentage, a tithe of what comes in. We don't use it on the mortgage. We don't use it on the staff. We don't use it on kids' ministry. We don't use it on youth ministry. But we take that, we designate it to go and help people in our community who are struggling to share the gospel, to reach people. So we're going to be doing that. Canal Winchester. Second thing, Asheville Estates. Asheville Estates, we have a project. There, there is a community right here in our own backyard that is impoverished. Right here. It's impoverished. It's a trailer park that most of the people in there are struggling, they're on subsistence to even survive. And we as a church have been for years investing in this. We have small groups going there. We have fed people meals. We've done XO week events. We've done all kinds of stuff. We said, what can we do to help? Well, let me tell you some of the things that we're gonna do. This season, we're gonna feed 200 families in need at the trailer park. We also have plans to build something that they have desperately wanted for a long time, which is a shelter house. They have no central place to be able to have birthday parties, graduations. Their spaces that they live in are too small to be able to do this. And we thought, you know what? We want to help do it. So we went out. We went out. And we've got a quote, $18,000 for somebody to build a shelter house. On top of that, we need concrete to go in on it. We're just believing that God's going to provide it. But as a church, we're going to commit $18,000 to get them to build this thing this next year. And we're doing it in advance. I... I don't know how much is going to come in, but we're just trusting God. And we, we know that God's going to provide the concrete that they need as well. That's on top of that. But we're stepping in. By the way, we have people who are coming every single week from Asheville Estates because there are people in our church who bring them. We have a young guy who's in high school who gave his life to Jesus and got baptized a few weeks ago because there's somebody who cares enough to bring them into church on a Sunday, bring them into youth. Come on, this is, this is what it's about. I'm talking about the movement of the church, Right? Let me give you a third one. We're gonna support Driven Foundation. It's an organization in central Ohio that is feeding hungry people in Columbus. And we're gonna provide meals for 260 families and we're gonna help distribute those meals on December 17th. That's happening, we've already committed to it. Another organization called Out of Darkness. You ever heard of Out of Darkness? It's an incredible organization in central Ohio that is literally trying to help rescue women caught in the human trafficking industry. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Ohio is one of the biggest places in the 
country of human trafficking that is happening. And so Out of Darkness is an organization that we have helped. We are going to be committing thousands of dollars to help them so they can repair their shelter house and places that they're bringing women off the streets to get out of that life. So we're going to help Out of Darkness. Another one, we're going to do, we're joining with other churches to help what's called Foster Teen Christmas Outreach. In Ohio, there are 6,400 teenagers living in the foster system. That's a lot. These are teenagers. These aren't the younger ones, the teenagers. And so uh, we're joining with some other churches. There's a big need. And one of the things that this outreach uh, wants to do is wants to provide $25 or $50 gift cards, retail, restaurant, to each one of these foster teenagers to let them know that they're loved. And so we're already committed for 100 that we're going to give at least $25 gift card that we're just pledging up front. But listen, depending on what happens with the offering, we're going to increase that and we're going to do even more. So I'm just telling you what some of the organizations that we are committed to helping this season. So that's happening, Foster Teen Christmas Outreach. And then let me tell you another one. Another one is that we are going to create some care packages for prisoners in three different prison systems here in Ohio. We're gonna to put together 150 care packages to prisoners and we're gonna give them a handwritten card and encourage each and every one of them and inside of that are things that they've asked for, things that would help them. We're just trying to bring a little bit of hope to some people that are forgotten in our society. You know, in our, in our society, if someone messes up and we throw them in prison, lock the gate and forget about them. But we in our church have really had a heart to try to reach out to those who are in prison. Right now, we send these messages to six different prisons. We have a, a pretty robust prison ministry that has just really taken off over this last year. We have people that are teaching Bible studies once a month in, I think, three different correctional facilities. We have a group of people that go once a month to Southeastern Correctional Facility in Lancaster, and they hold church service, and we preach at it and other things. I got to go and preach at it a couple months ago and meet some of these guys. And can I just tell you, preaching at a bunch of people, a bunch of men who are locked up, you would never know it. You want to talk about some people, they were some of the most expressive and grateful people you would ever meet in your life. And we want to do something about it. There's something about loving people that can't give it back that I believe moves the heart of God. And uh, we, we had an opportunity to capture a story of one of these guys that are sitting in the prison systems that we get to meet with and connect with on a regular basis. I got to meet him, his name is Billy. Billy is incredibly gifted, and he plays drums, and he sings. And he, and, but if you hear his story, it'll remind you why we give is to show God's love. Watch his story. My name is Billy Joe Cardell. I'm 53 years old, born in Columbus, Ohio, um, was raised in church uh, until I had the option not to be, and I decided to make other decisions, which, you know, hadn't been too good for me in the long run. So this is my fifth penitentiary number. Not that I'm proud of that, but, you know, um, when you don't make plans that are, you know, the plans that are supposed to be made and you don't do the things you're supposed to do in life, you always suffer the repercussions. The end result was my very first number at 18 years old. And from then on, it's been a struggle until now um, with addictions, uh, history of crime and just, you know, not having any worries or cares about anything that happens to me or anyone else. Uh, I fathered a bunch of children and didn't do my part. 
Um, from the moment I stepped in here, I decided to turn my life over uh, to God because when I was little, the most time when they asked me was, what's the greatest time in your life that you ever remember? And I remember going to church and singing songs in Sunday school and going on the stage with my mom when she would play guitar and piano and me singing. And I thought, well, that was the most important time of my life. Those were my developing years with my, with my father. And, and I wanted that back. I wanted that joy, that peace, and that love that I used to have then, now. And I knew the only way to get that was to go back to what I knew best, which was to pray and ask God for forgiveness and say, please come into my heart. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. The devil tried really hard because he was losing a soldier. I want to stay in Christ. I want to keep my walk pure. I want to pass it on. I've already started making connections with my children who I didn't never think I'd be able to talk to again. You know, I got 12 kids. And it's insane that I've got out, had kids, come back to prison, got out, have kids, and have no life with them at all. I've started talking to almost all of my children. Eight of them are baptized, still working on the others. Give me a minute. Um, I tell them about my, my journey and my stories, and they're like, man, you even talk different than you used to. Everything out of my mouth was filth. I don't do that anymore. I don't call and, and do that, you know what I mean? I'm over that. It's cool. It was fun for a minute, but that fun wears off when you have to face consequences for it. So my move forward is to stay in Christ, do the best that I can do. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm going to have my days and my situations, but I stay focused on the Bible and on the word, and I stay focused on, on my plans to give back. And when I see people come in here from the streets to minister to us and I think to myself that they're taken away from their personal time with their family their homes they're coming to a penitentiary penitentiary willingly you know who does that and then I thought well I used to do that all the time you know what I mean but now I understand that just for you to come in as a visitor and show true care and concern to us I cherish it so much I can't wait till people come I can't wait to get a message from my chaplains you know what I mean and, it, and it's really hard sometimes to deal with the outside noise outside of this room. When you go out that front door, you're with the worst of the worst sometimes. And they call you names. They call you Bible thumper. And they call you, uh, where, why didn't you do that on the street? You're fake. You're a fake Christian, you know, and all these things. But I don't let it get to me anymore. Because if they had what I have, they would understand. So if I can just draw one person in with a message, I'm cool with that. You know, I don't think I'll ever be a, a, a minister by book. But I'm a messenger by faith. You know what I mean? I feel like with my faith and the way that people see what I've came from, especially the guys that's known me all these numbers, and they see it, and they're like, man, what's up with Billy? You know what I mean? I'm not that guy anymore. I want people to know that just because you've been to the bottom of the barrel doesn't mean you can't rise to the top like the cream, because you can. I mean, you can do anything you want through Christ. All things are possible. It just blows my mind that there's people on this planet who actually say, all right, man, you guys made a mistake, it's cool. You know what I mean? We're still gonna love you, we're still gonna treat you like a child of God, and this is what we do. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand that I can be forgiven, you know what I mean? I hold myself responsible for a lot of the things that I've done, and I bash myself for it. And every night when I pray, and every day when I pray, God says, stop, stop it, man, it's over. That doesn't matter anymore. You've turned over a new leaf. It's time for you to move on spread your message because if there's anyone who's done it and been there and had the issues and done some terrible I've done some terrible things to people man and uh, for me to be able to pass on a message and get up here and smile and sing and do the things that I do I feel like 
That's my calling. I feel like I've been blessed to do it the best way I know how. And that's what I do. Come on. You know, you know, I love as a community the fact that we get to, we get to encourage people like Billy. And when you give, we can help feed hundreds of families in Columbus and Canal Winchester and help a community out in Nashville and help rescue women from human trafficking. And we can, we can bring joy and let somebody in a prison system know that they matter to God still. That's love. That's love. We can say it. We can shout it inside the walls of the church. But do you know what makes a bigger difference? When we show it outside the walls of the church. Generosity is the fuel for the mission of the church. Generosity is love made visible. And we're going to have an opportunity in about three weeks to be generous toward God in the season, to make a difference in all these things. And I don't know where you are in this process, but my hope and prayer is that you would just allow the voice of God to speak to you in this season, that maybe this will be a way for you to respond to him and say, God, thank you for all you've done in my life. I wanna, I wanna be on mission. And I just know this, as a church, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to impact thousands of people. And my dream one day is that we'll, we'll be a church that gives so much and that we'll be able to give away millions of dollars. I would love every year to be able to give a million dollars away to make a difference around our community. And we're gonna get there. We're gonna grow to it. We're gonna do it. That's my, that's my heart. That's my vision for our church because I believe that generosity is what changes the world. Amen. Come on, y'all stand at your feet with me. We're gonna pray. And I, I'm just gonna ask God and his spirit to speak to you, to encourage you in this season. Let's be generous back to him. Father, I'm grateful. I just, I stand here as someone who struggles to be generous, and I admit it. But yet when I see your generosity toward me, I'm moved. I'm inspired. I'm grateful. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.